You know that John Cougar Mellencamp song from 1985, Small Town? Well, that's largely my story. I'm William Clavon. Welcome to Thursday 80s. Now, there are four towns in the United States with the name Geneseo. One's in New York. It's the original, as I understand it. Uh, one is in Kansas. One's in North Dakota. One is in rural Henry County, Illinois, a farm town, about 6,500 people, give or take, founded in 1836. It's 150 miles west of Chicago and just a few miles from the Quad Cities. The Quad Cities are made up of, you guessed it, four cities. Two on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River, that's Moline and Rock Island, and two on the Iowa side, Davenport and Bettendorf. If you haven't heard of the Quad Cities or Geneseo, you aren't alone. You can't get much more Midwest flyover country than that. If you have heard of them, and Geneseo specifically, then it's most likely because you're either from there, or at some point you were heading west on Interstate 80 and stopped in Geneseo to fill up on gas, or perhaps grab a hot ham and cheese or a tasty charbroiled burger at the local Hardee's just off the interstate. Side note, many years ago I spoke to actor Tom Hanks who told me that he had heard of Geneseo for exactly that reason. So there's that. At this point, it should come as no surprise that Geneseo is my hometown, and I love my hometown. My dad's family started farming in Geneseo in the early days of the 20th century, and when I came along on Halloween night 1968, I'm sure there was some expectation that I would continue that tradition. But very early on, it became clear that I was wired differently. I was what you might call an indoor kid. In a small town that was very focused on the success of the local high school football team, I was obsessed with television, pre-cable, so three major networks and public television. My early favorites were Sesame Street, Captain Kangaroo, The Six Million Dollar Man, Emergency, Star Trek, the original series, which was in syndication back then in the early 70s, The Adam West Batman, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and on Saturday mornings, of course, Scooby-Doo and Super Friends, and anything from Sid and Marty Croft. Geneseo had, and still has, actually, a little one-screen movie theater, and once I was old enough to go to the movies, I added classics like Disney's Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Herbie the Lovebug, and the Apple Dumpling Gang to the mix, along with Peter Sellers' Pink Panther movies, which I didn't really understand, uh, but they made my dad laugh, so they made me laugh. Then came Star Wars. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman the Movie, Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was the first Star Trek movie on the big screen, The Incredible Hulk on TV, uh, The Bionic Woman, can't overlook that. Um, and the next thing you know, it was the 80s. I was all of 11 years old when 1980 kicked off, and I was 21 when the decade ended. Those 10 glorious years saw the world shift and change in some pretty crazy ways, and I changed right along with it. I graduated high school and left Geneseo to find my way in the world, convinced that I was going to be the next Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, and I moved to Chicago to attend film school. That's where I found myself at the close of the 80s. In the decades to come, I married, started a career, raised a family, eventually found my way to the East Coast and a small town about 50 miles outside of Washington, D.C., where my wife and I now live. Yep, another small town. I never became the next Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, 
and my career has taken some interesting twists and turns, but one thing that has remained constant is my love for the 80s. The older I get, the more I see and experience, the more I realize that the 80s laid the foundation for so much of what we take for granted today, the good and the bad. TV, movies, games, music, politics, the economy, technology, the 80s were a cultural turning point for them all. And friends, because if you're listening to this, it's pretty likely that we're already friends, that's what Thursday's is all about. Join me as I talk to people of all walks of life, all ages, as we shoot the shit about the work they do, their connection to the 80s, and relive a, a bit of what makes that decade unique and resonant still today. Oh, uh, why Thursday's? Uh, years ago, I worked in an office where each day one of my colleagues or I would program music for the day. My day? Thursdays. My music? Always 80s. Thus, the name Thursday's was born. And it kind of stuck. So thanks again for joining me. Let's dig in. Our very first guest on the Thursday's podcast. I'm, I'm so excited this is actually happening uh, because I've been talking about this for almost as long as I've been listening to podcasts. We have an award-winning writer, producer, director, voice artist, conceptual artist, a filmmaker's filmmaker. You know him from his mind and reality-bending film, Coherence, that twists my brain into knots every time I watch it. And he's currently writing, directing, and producing a new series, Shatterbelt, which premiered at South by Southwest recently, where I had the good fortune to meet both my guest and his good friend and star of one of the episodes of Shatterbelt, Patton Oswalt. A warm welcome to Thursday's James Ward Burkett. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Billiam. Uh, I appreciate your your time, and I, I cannot tell you what a huge fan I am of coherence, but also of of your new creation, Shatterbelt. Awesome! You you can tell me actually. <laughs> well, I will I will attempt to put words to it uh, throughout the course of our conversation. <laughs> perfect. perfect. Um, but before we talk about Shatterbelt, I, I want to kick off with three easy questions. Don't want okay. you to think too hard about these, but because the podcast is Thursday 80s, these are 80s related. So real quick, rapid fire, three questions. Your favorite 80s movie? These can't be rapid fire. I'm so sorry. My <laughs> brain does not function like that. Back to the future. That's actually wrong, but it's. I'm just going to say a, a something that comes into my head. That's wonderful. I thought it was going to be Brazil or Blade Runner, but yep. the future See, is... Now that makes more sense. It, it would be Brazil. Yeah. Favorite 80s television show? <laughs> Simon and Simon. Oh my God. That's a deep cut. Thank you. Uh, last but not least, your favorite 80s song or band? Oh, see, we have to talk about that because that's a complicated, very, uh, very fluid topic, especially between Patton and myself. <laughs> we we have been re-evaluating bands that we dismissed in the 80s as being kind of fluff and and not serious. And now that we're older, we're like, oh, my God, that's really hard to do. Right. Like Huey Lewis in the News. I mean, am I right? I'm going to say The Outfield. That's one that epitomizes a band that I completely dismissed when it came out, when they came out and and just thought they were a, a completely fabricated corporate construction of, of mid, mid-level talent. 
And now that I look back on them, I'm like, oh my God, they had all those hits and they were just some guys <laughs> trying to make music and what what an astonishing array of output they made. That's, so that's great. I'm just, they're not actually my favorite band, but I'm going to say the outfield just because I, I they represent my newfound respect for bands like that. Great. And I know I put you on the spot. So uh, uh, all three of your answers, absolutely correct. Uh, well done. You are advancing to the next round. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do favorites. I just don't, I should have a list like on my wall because I, I do get asked about favorites a lot and I should just print it out. But now to the the real heart of this, tell us about Shatterbelt. What inspired you to create this series? Shatterbelt is a, a pure expression of love for filmmaking and for the fans that embraced coherence and for the people that I love to make movies with. I I was just uh, at a loss during the pandemic when every project that I tried to get off the ground since Coherence just crashed and burned over and over and over. And after about 50 of those, you start to go a little crazy and wonder if you're ever you know going to make anything again. And, and I just thought I'm going to have to pick up a camera and start shooting something the, w- the way I did uh, years ago. And the more I started getting into it, the more it started to flow and the more people started to show up to help me and the more story ideas just started to gush and it became a, a sort of self-generating engine. And uh, we, we've shot four of them so far and just premiered. I think you were there, was. Uh, the first humans on earth to see them outside of uh, friends and family circle. And so we're trying to get it to the world somehow. We've got a bunch more episodes planned. We're trying to shoot the fifth one right now and and get the first season done and hopefully have several decades worth of, of Shatterbelt episodes. Oh, that's definitely one of my questions. There is just so much to unpack in, in just the three episodes I saw. And it reminded me in some ways, so I have you know some favorite anthology series. I'm sure you probably do too. Twilight Zone, of course. Amazing Stories from the 80s, which was one of my go-tos and has been, and I'm delighted that it's now available streaming. But right. uh, Shatterbelt reminded me a lot of the great anthology series that we've we've had over the, the past several decades. And I, I know you've heard, and I think I've even heard you say it yourself, that it it was somewhat similar in nature to Black Mirror. But now that might be, but I found each of the episodes that I watch to be to have elements of hopefulness um, rather than hopelessness, and and despite the dysfunctional nature of some of the characters and situations that we saw play out on screen, and to me that's very different from almost any other anthology series or series uh, of of this nature that I've seen. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think it's a a, a little weird actually that so much science fiction instantly starts to veer into extraordinarily negative or or even depressing landscapes and and tones because science fiction to me is very buoyant and even spiritual because it takes your imagination to these uh, absolutely incredible places and it and it expands your consciousness and so I thought, well, what if we make a series that has all of those same tropes and and even some pulp uh, science fiction ideas, but instead of bumming people out every single time, 
what if we make it something that just fills you with uh, some kind of sense of of possibility and some kind of sense of uh, consciousness expansion that makes you want to watch it again and again? Because as, as much as I love Black Mirror, and I think it's some of the best science fiction ever made in history, there's a lot of them that I simply don't want to watch again yeah. because I don't want to put myself through that again. And I thought, well, what if I could make something... Uh, that people wanted to watch you know, t- 10, 20 times, like I get reports of uh, that they want to watch Coherence, because Coherence could be looked at as dark, but it actually doesn't cost you anything to watch it. It's it's more fun than anything. It doesn't really, doesn't really qu- qualify as horror, because you're not ever feeling horrified. Right. You're, you're just kind of uh, hopefully enjoyably tense. And that's, uh, I think, the starting point of Shatterbelt is try to think of some mind-bending ideas that can be just as fun as much as they are existentially troubling. Well, well said. Um, uh, what was the phrase you just used? Um, uh, something tense. Enjoyably tense. Enjoyably tense, which is uh, maybe maybe the title of my autobiography someday. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, that's perfect. Now, and I can't tell you how many times as a a kid that my friends and I, we would wear out videotapes, right? Pausing, rewinding, playing scenes and moments over and over again uh, from the movie we rented from Geneseo Video, the local mom and pop video store. Uh, right. Who was very gracious about getting a videotape back that was broken. But um, um, you, you're one of the, I think you're one of the first filmmakers, storytellers, maybe even the first who, who has actually created stories and the story experience that you expect to be watched again and again paused and moments replayed over and over um it, you know very immersive layered sort of meta storytelling um wh- what drives you to create that kind of experience well on coherence we were very aware that the audience for that would be the kind of audience that would want to do a deep dive into it because we saw the audience reactions to primer that had come out years earlier and we realized that there are people that take it so seriously that they're willing to spend days and weeks graphing it out and charting it out and and comparing notes online and we said well we have to be ready in case people want to do that to coherence which means we have to get the internal logic a lot more sound than you normally would on, on something more disposable and even to the point where there were continuity errors that we would normally fix and we would decide, no, no, let, let people find that. Ah. Let people, let people find that, let them wonder about the the sweater that she takes off or whatever. So I think it was really primer. The reaction to primer showed us that there's a gigantic audience that wants to take it seriously enough and wants you to have done the work and it's very disappointing sometimes when you realize that the filmmakers don't treat it as seriously as the audience treats it. Right. And we thought, well, what if we actually did? What if we actually honored all of the audience that is going to try to uncover the hidden mysteries? What if there was actually something to uncover? Right. And <clears throat> so episodic versus feature. So two, two really great examples of, you know, effective storytelling. Coherence is a feature film. Shatterbelt is a series. What made you decide to move towards an episodic versus a more long form storytelling like Coherence? 
I had been thinking about it for a while because I come up with story ideas almost every day. And so I have this ridiculous treasure trove of, of possible stories. And a lot of them are just concepts that don't really justify taking a year to write a movie and then trying to pitch that around. And I realized that Rod Serling was really just churning out concepts every week and, and, you know, 22 pages long, you can get in and out, you can explore the concept and you're done and you don't have to treat it as this extraordinarily precious thing that represents the, the next three years of your life. Right. And that was so appealing to me because it's just the way my mind works. I have a lot of ideas. I am trying to exercise them as fast as possible, whether it's drawing them or writing them. But the most satisfying, of course, is to make it into a film that can be shared with others. And we'll be right back. Hydration plus hygiene equals human dignity. Thursdays is sponsored by drivebydogooders.org. With no overhead, no agenda, pure giving, Drive-By Do-Gooders provides basic human necessities to those living in downtown Los Angeles and homeless encampments around the city, particularly the elderly and disabled and their pets. Founded in 2015 by Lisa Naff with the goal of filling in the gaps where public welfare services fall short, Drive-By Do-Gooders does exactly that. They drive to the needy and displaced, handing out essentials, water, Wipes, socks, snacks, feminine products, masks, tarps, blankets, and more to those who have little or no access to basic human necessities. Drive-By Do-Gooders' mission is to help as many people as possible, bringing relief to those who need it the most. The homeless epidemic can seem overwhelming, but even small gestures can go a long ways to helping those in need to find more permanent solutions. You can help Drive-By Do-Gooders to continue this important work and expand their reach, Go to drivebydogooders.org to learn more and donate. Because hydration plus hygiene equals human dignity. Drivebydogooders.org So what's next? Is, is Chatterbelt could go on forever, right? Um, is that what you'd like? Uh, would you like to become more of the steward of it and bring in other filmmakers and folks to write? Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I'd love to do is... is do it for years, bring in like-minded friends. Uh, Lorreen Scafaria, who was in Coherence, is now a great director in her own right. People like that, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. We always talk about doing a project together. I think they'd be great to to do an episode. So so kind of diversify and and expand it and and see if we can get on a platform that just allows us to create as many as we want every year. Uh, maybe there's a Shatterbelt movie every year that's a little longer form for the stories that require a little more time, but just uh, a little bit of flexibility so that we can tell the stories in the way they need to be told. Sure. That's, uh, is it true? I think I heard you say this during the Q&A at the screening, that in some way all of these stories are connected? Yeah, well, they're obviously thematically connected, but I think especially if you would have seen episode one, you would see that the same actors are starting to show up and it 
you're wondering, are they the same character? Is this a different version of that person? You realize that they're interconnected through the people mm. and perhaps there's something more going on on a meta level than just separate uh, stories told in an anthology. That's amazing. Any updates on the platform front? I know you, you're, you're looking, you're trying to find the right home for Shatterbelt. No, I mean, it's all so new. Last week was, was literally the first time anyone had seen it. And so we are going to give it a little bit of time to see if we can find a partner. But the original idea was always just to distribute ourselves for the first season, at least, until it found a home. And so we're going to wait a few weeks, I think. And then if if we don't find the right partner, we will probably just put it out uh, to the world ourselves and, and hope that the fans can find it somehow. I cannot wait. Uh, and I can't wait for the world to to get to see what I got to see. Oh, um, I, I hope so. I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I know you've got a lot going on. Um, one last 80s related question. Yeah. Uh, this goes to the, the, the artist you. If you could revive any 80s movie or series or character, what would it be? This is my, this is one thing I've seriously thought about doing. Spencer for Hire, starring Abigail Spencer. Oh, dear God. And you actually send Abigail Spencer on the most dangerous jobs <laughs> in, in reality, and she has to solve them. And she might have to kill somebody. She might have to kidnap some, whatever it takes, but she's really doing it. I would absolutely watch that, and I think that honors the original intent of Spencer for Hire. <laughs> absolutely. All right. James Ward Burkett, Shatterbelt. My friends, keep an eye out for its premiere. And if you haven't seen it yet, give yourself a real gift. Watch Coherence, which is streaming on Amazon, Pluto TV, and Tubi, I believe. Thank you, Jim. And please pass along my thanks to Alyssa for getting us together as well. I appreciate your time, and I can't wait for the world to see Shatterbelt. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Billiam. And good luck with this. It's a, it's a great idea for a podcast. And I, and I love all the uh, examples of the eighties I can see behind you. My, my home office and studio is designed for the, the, the 14 year old me. Perfect. So, it's just nerd heaven back there. It's exactly. great. All right, my friend, thank you so much. Uh, good luck. And uh, we'll be watching. Fantastic. Thanks, Billiam. Wow. What a good guy. Um, I neglected to mention at the start of this episode that I actually recorded the interview with James back in April of 2023, not long after I had seen the world premiere of Shatterbelt's first four episodes at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, where uh, James and one of the episode guests, Patton Oswalt, were there to talk about the show and promote it. Since that time, uh, a lot of things have happened. There was a writers and actors strike that temporarily shut down further production and development of Shatterbelt. Once the strikes were resolved, however, James began developing more episodes. And he's also been screening Coherence around the Los Angeles area at the Alamo Draft House. If you have a chance to catch a screening of that and a Q&A with James, it is worth your time. It's fantastic. Okay, so endeth the first episode of Thursday 80s. I'm glad you were able to join. Let me know what you think, and let me know what other 80s minutiae you'd like me to dig into if you want to be a part of the podcast. I would love to talk to as many of you as possible. Finally, just a reminder, go to drivebydogooders.org and help support their mission to help as many people as possible and bring relief to those who need it most. 
and you too can be a drive-by do-gooder. Just keep a few extra bottles of water, some granola bars, maybe even an extra blanket in your car. And when you see someone in need, just remember, it costs nothing to remind those in need that they are seen. That's a wrap. Thursday is out. <laughs>